Accutron Watches present. From New York City, this is the Accutron Show, a time travel through American culture with your hosts, Bill McCuddy, Scott Alexander, and David Graver. Visit AccutronWatch.com and discover the brand that has made American history with an all-new proprietary next-generation electrostatic energy movement. Accutron, it's not a timepiece, it's a conversation piece. I remember my dad told me, if you want to be the best, work for the best. And that really, you know, I really took that to heart and I knew Ralph Warren is who I wanted to be. The person you heard at the top of the show is today's guest, American fashion designer Todd Snyder. But up first, the very unfashionable Bill McCuddy, along with writer Scott Alexander and editor David Graver, here for a brand new episode of the Accutron Show. Stay tuned. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, accutronwatch.com, and discover our iconic Space View 2020 collection, recreating the stunning visual impact of the original open dial design combined with an all new electrostatic energy movement. Time just changed again. The Accutron Space View 2020. Scott, how do you define style? Um, Whatever I do that's not just putting on, uh, you know, a T-shirt. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. If I go any any just half step beyond that, I call it style. Okay. And when did you have, when was your first sense of having that as a Middle kid? Middle school. Middle school. Yeah. When it was like the moment where you're like, other kids care about what I'm wearing. Yeah. Care they know uniforms they at so your school think, when well, you were no, a When kid. I was very young, I did. But then middle school, a whole different deal. Right. You know. And then uh, that's where I started wanting to look good. I started with and Scott ever since, because I look amazing. <laughs> we won't go by today. Um, and I, Graver, you you write about style. I you do. embody style. You study it for, at Cool Hunting. It's it's part of your beat. Uh, sure. When was the when was the first time you said I feel stylish? The womb. Uh, the it womb. was when I moved to New York City. When I when I was a kid growing up, I wore I, I didn't pay attention to clothing. I actually didn't care. I was a very basic dresser. And it was when I moved to New York, I learned that clothing can be a way to express your personality. It could be a way to sort of channel your feelings and your thoughts. It could be you a way to defy your body you got... or work with your body. <laughs> okay. But you you had a personality as a kid. You just didn't let clothing define it. It's true. Way. It's true. But I didn't know. I was so... Quit, I, I'm though. from Connecticut. Yeah. I wore khaki <laughs> I mean, pants. You know, it's funny <laughs> you say khaki I pants wore khakis. I wore khakis today. In Traverse, <laughs> uh, today but, but in Traverse City, Michigan, when I, in 1972, two or three when I was in high school, it was the only two people that wore khakis were me and the janitor. And kids up there with in jeans and stuff would go, oh, look who joined the Navy. I mean, like, what? I mean, they, khakis were this thing that not everybody wore for a long time. And then all of a sudden, everybody did. Our guest today worked at The Gap at J. Crew. They, they sell khakis. He knows his way around some khakis. Uh, he, knows he, around. He, knows, he knows all the colors. Uh, and he's... Uh, Going to tell us a little bit about the collaborations that he's done, uh, what he thinks defines style. He'll have a little better perspective on. Well, it and he we talked about coming from Traverse City, or coming from Connecticut, or coming from Texas. You know, he's coming from Iowa. Yes, and it's like yeah. that, that's what I love about New York. It's like everybody can come here and just go crazy. Worked in Des Moines, Iowa, at a men's store at a very young age, where people probably go in and buy you know one suit for the rest of their life. 
right. to get married in and buried in, and that's it. And then more than a decade ago, launched an eponymous label that became one of like the hottest menswear brands in New York City for a very long time. It still is one of the hottest menswear brands. Going to a Todd Snyder show or presentation is like going to a family reunion with fashion writers across the city because everyone is there because everyone wants to see what Todd is doing. Right. He worked with Ralph Lauren. He's worked with uh, some of the iconic brands. His name is on the outside or inside of a lot of things. Moby. You're wearing Moby. Yeah. We, I, remind me to ask him about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, it, it's uh, it's a fashionable, we are not fashionably late. We are on time for uh, the very fashionable Todd Snyder. And he joins us on the Accutron show right after this. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, accutronwatch.com and discover our Accutron DNA collection. Reimagined for a new generation, the Accutron DNA combines breakthrough technology, precise engineering, and modern aesthetics to achieve a new level of technical excellence. The Accutron DNA, the new face of time for those who blaze new trails. Todd Snyder, you're fashionably on time. Uh, welcome to the Accutron Show, and we are happy that you can join us today. What You know what we were talking about before you came along is what is style and we were sort of having a three guy arm wrestle over it what is your definition of style you know my definition of style has has always kind of been um it really kind of defines you as a as a you know a tastemaker as a person i think everybody kind of lives comfortably in their own clothes and style to me is kind of the next level of that you know somebody who just wears a pair of jeans and a white t-shirt could be very cool with the right watch, with the right shoe. Um, you know, Steve McQueen is the one I always think of. Do you think the role of dressing up has changed over the last year? I mean, the pandemic changed a lot of the way people perceive style and, and dressing in the morning. Has that changed what you do? Uh, certainly. I, I, I think I travel a lot more than I ever have. I think all of us have kind of this revenge travel. That's true. <laughs> um, and we're all kind of dressing different, uh, which is nice. Um, you know, certainly as a business owner, it's always nice to have people coming in your store. But there's, you know, for whatever reason, I think people are ready to turn the page and kind of put the past behind and are trying new things. And at least, you know, for us in our business, we're seeing a lot of new customers coming in, a lot of existing customers that are kind of, you know, wanting to do something different than that, what they did the last two, three years. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering yeah. if we can actually pivot and start with who you are and how you got into fashion, how you transformed from a high school football player into such an influential fashion designer here in New York City. Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I I actually I was actually a, ba a basketball player, not a football player, ah. but uh, totally, <laughs> totally fine. Um, I love basketball, but um, I did play football, but I would always consider myself a basketball player. But yeah, I grew up in Iowa. Um, I was born and raised there. Both of my parents, uh, you know, started you know came from farming families, and um, I always liked clothes. You know, I just remember always kind of being a little bit of a the black sheep of the family. I always liked, uh, you know, clothes. And I remember I used to spend all my uh, summer money on clothes and I kind of just followed my passion. And, you know, I, my father was an engineer and my mother uh, is a designer, uh, interior designer, as well as a 
she was an art teacher uh, when I was in school and always encouraged me to pursue art. Mm. And I just remember clothes for me were kind of the easy way to get girls' attention. And I was, <laughs> I was, I was good at it. I, um, um, Did you the sew them? Part. Did you make them something or you're just, you're in terms uh, of. Just dressing well. I mean, right. dressing well. Right. And, and I've always said, I've always said this um, and it may not be appropriate, but I, you know, if you want to get laid, you know, dressing well always is the best it's solution. True. Um, <laughs> not that, appropriate. That That's our any... poll quote now. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? But it's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good it, business it to be in, to be honest. Yeah. You know. Yes, it is. I mean, it, it's really, you know, for me, it was just kind of one of those things. I I was always good at sports and um, but you know, for me dressing better um was you know for me a talent because i paid attention to things and i really um studied it and uh and then as i got to college i got into architecture and got into engineering at first and i was kind of like oh gosh where's this going and <laughs> i ended up switching i was working in a menswear store uh, called bedowers in des moines iowa and kind of really fell in love with uh clothes i think i spent more money that I made yeah. every summer. <laughs> um, so that didn't net out well, I, I definitely dressed very well. And then, um, you know, I, I started working in the tailor shop. I slowly started moving mm. and I switched majors. I got into fashion design at Iowa State and I, there's actually a, a program there. And I was like, I couldn't graduate fast enough. I was in school for about six years without a master's, but I did get a fashion uh, design degree. And um, that's that's what brought me here. And I used to make you know, my own shirts. I used to make my own patterns um, when I got here and just really got into you know, kind of the craft of making making product. I used to make shirts and I used to make pants. I used to make drapes. How do you go from just uh, somebody making shirts in their living room to like having a design shop? Like what that leap seems like you, you learned your trade, came here, you're like, let's, let's go. How, it seems like there's a big gap. Like what's that launch pad look well, like? I, well, I mean, I've been in the industry. It was 92 when I graduated. I've been in the industry a long time. And I remember my dad told me, if you want to be the best, work for the best. And mm. that really, you know, I really took that to heart. And I knew Ralph Warren is who I wanted to be. I remember reading his book, you know, early 90s. And it was like, I didn't know you could do this for a living. And um, was like, that's what I want to do. And then I started working in the industry. I worked for him early on. Um, it was my first like internship. And then I got to work at J crew and I was there in like 93 to 95. And then I went to gap where I got to work with Mickey mm. Drexler. And, and then I went back to, um, Ralph Lauren and, um, but I, I, I worked for a lot of people in design mm -hmm. and, um, but always, you know, never burning a bridge and always keeping a great relationship. Cause I actually, return to each place um before going on my own I, i'd worked at j crew twice oh, okay um and i i worked at gap twice and then i worked at ralph twice which was i didn't realize i was doing this but <laughs> when i was recounting it to a friend i was like this is incredible but I, it was all about you you're know, the noah of designers you go every place <laughs> twice 
What's the best piece of advice Ralph Lauren gave you? Well, I mean, I never really um, had much direct contact. Jerry Lauren was very influential in my career. I think as everybody who worked in design there, um, Ralph was always, you know, doing other things. He's very busy, but really kind of just always sharpening and, and refining the blade is kind of what Jerry would always say and making sure that you know, you're, you're constantly, you know, creating that edge and creating that, um, making that product as best it can be. That was really kind of, they would obsess over the small details. And that's really kind of what I took from that. You're a New Yorker. You're at, you're speaking to a table of New Yorkers. What does it mean to be a New York based fashion brand? I mean, it's sometimes hard to believe. I, um, you know, for me, I, I kind of put my head down and very kind of humble about what I do and, and I love what I do. It's a, it's a craft. And um, I just got back from a trip from Italy and was in the mills that we work with there. And it just was so inspiring and just seeing people there making your fabric and they have the same amount of passion as you do. And their love for family and food and wine is equal to mine. And obviously they know it better. So all of it together just makes me feel really blessed and you know thinking about when i came here 30 years ago and thinking about what i wanted to be and becoming that is just incredible i I just it's a dream come true for me i never thought i would really i always dreamt about having my own line but i never thought i was capable of doing it and i think you know working at j crew back in 2005 to 2009 really just kind of set the stage for me to do it Hmm. We've seen AI transform all these different industries, and it feels like fashion should be like way down the list of stuff that's going to get transformed. But I'm wondering, are there ways in which designers are starting to use those techniques of of artificial intelligence, of stuff that human brains can't do or that uh, you know that machines can do better? I mean, at first, I was really kind of reticent to think, "Yeah, yeah, that's." Um, something I would do. I, I, I was kind of very skeptical of it, but I have to be honest with you, the more I, I try out <laughs> chat GBT and it's, it's kind of scary <laughs> how, <laughs> how, how simple and how good it is. Like I had, um, I have genie on my phone, which is a chat GBT app. And I asked it to give me a mission statement for Todd Snyder. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I've been trying to write a mission statement for 10 years and this thing like blew me out of the, out of the water. Fired but the whole staff. In full, in full disclosure, Todd, we should tell you that we are holograms here. Today. This isn't really us. Uh, can you walk into that store in Des Moines where you started and buy a Todd Snyder design today? I wish um, they went out of business during the pandemic. And, and for a moment I was thinking about, you know, taking it on and, and, and doing something and it just you know it just didn't seem um doable um, but you have had that oh my god moment where you've walked into a store and there's something you designed nine months ago yeah i think the big thing for me is um you know we don't sell wholesale but i think the big thing for me is seeing customers wear it i was in europe and i saw some people wearing our product and i was like oh my god that's i did that <laughs> um it's it's super you know it's just a great compliment when you see customers buying your product. I do get nervous and it is, it is emotionally hard because when I used to do wholesale, 
I would have to leave the room. It was just too much for me <laughs> to hear people. Why, why didn't they buy that? Why are right. they, you know, it's just right. like, that'll it, never it, sell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So. Damn it, Saul. <laughs> right. One of my favorite things about your brand and the work that you do exists in your myriad collaborations between the Foot Joy and New Balance and DS Durga. I, I love the way you apply your aesthetic and your values to other brands. Can you talk to me about the role of collaboration in your business? Yeah, collaboration was really, I started doing it at J. Crew um, back in like 2006, 2007. And it really, I mean, I got the idea from the Japanese, really. Um, they were so good at doing it. And I, I knew, you know, being at menswear at J. Crew, we were always kind of in, in the basement or we we're in the back of the catalog. We didn't get a lot of marketing dollars. And I thought, hmm, you know, it'd be really clever is if we did something with someone who's a little more famous, like, you know, Red Wing or Timex, because everybody knows who Timex is. And that was kind of like my little um, brief idea there. And I always knew if I was going to do my own thing, I would kind of lean on that same uh, idea. And, you know, Champion was the first one I did when I went out on my own. And that really kind of set the stage. And I kind of do it for multiple reasons. One, it's a great way to market your brand. No one knows who Todd Snyder is, you know, 10, 11 years ago. Um, everybody pretty much knew who Champion was. Um, second, it's just really awesome to be able to work with other creatives. And I love kind of understanding and I didn't realize this at first, um, but I really enjoy working with other people and, you know, us kind of together getting to a new place. And that for me is exciting. I really enjoy, it's a passion of mine. It's something that it's hard to get there without somebody else kind of pushing you and you push them and you pull and it's, hmm. it's a really good collaborative effort. And that's what I really love doing. Um, and then, Thirdly, it's, it's great financially because it is, you know, we typically sell out of the things we work on together and, you know, we truly work on them together. It's not like a lot of people do collaborations, just slap their name on it. Um, I sit down with their creative teams. I, we work on a, a whole creative brief when we do the photo shoot and we really try to go to a new place versus me just kind of, you know, putting all of my design you know, I think about my business in a lot of different ways, um, you know, from a customer's point of view, you know, I have multiple age groups that I sell to. So I think about like champion is, but a little bit younger sensibility and foot joy is, is a little bit more kind of in our medium age, medium age. And the, um, you know, things like they've done with J press or is kind of a cool kind of street thing that appeals to both older and younger. So I'm always kind of figuring out how to just keep customers kind of entertained and, and guessing what the next one's going to be and um, have a lot of fun doing it. I you're, think you're, you're like Hyman Roth. You make money for his partners. And uh, we are, our partner is, is uh, Accutron. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we have lots more questions for uh, Todd Snyder, including what was his influence from the 1960s, the way Accutron was influenced uh, and has brought out a new line. So we're going to take a, a little break. When we come back more with the very stylish Todd Snyder, this is the Accutron show. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website 
AccutronWatch.com and discover our legacy collection. Reviving some of the most memorable Accutron watches from the 60s and 70s, the legacy collection combines timeless design with the technical excellence of Swiss watchmaking, each limited to 600 individually numbered pieces. The Accutron Legacy Collection, inspired by the past, built for the future. We're back with Todd Snyder talking all things fashionable. And uh, before the break, you were talking about all the people that you've worked with or collaborated with uh, and how successful that is. Do you think as a culture, we still rely on a designer's name to sell uh, or a label, or are we moving more away from that? Um, I think we're moving more away from it. It's, it's interesting when I look at the landscape today versus what it was 30 years ago, you know, 30 years ago is a handful of designers, whether it was like Calvin or Donna Karen or Ralph Lauren, uh, you know, you had Nautica, you had Tommy Hilfiger, you think about American designers, you had Perry Ellis, that those were the ones that were kind of accepted to wear as, as a, as a, you know, as a buyer, as a, you know, someone wearing clothes and today it's changed. I mean, it's, it, it's, hundreds of people and i i find you know sneaker world is is kind of a good place to look at and looking at what you know it used to be dominated by nike and adidas and new balance and you had some other brands in there but now today it's like you think about all these startup brands whether it's you know on sneakers or hoka or what have you that have big market share that are growing quickly and that never would have happened five, 10 years ago, same thing is happening in apparel. And um, I'm seeing a lot of brands that are, you know, either direct consumer or startups. Um, you go to any shopping area today and it's just mind boggling seeing all these new brands. You know, there's probably three or four new active brands every year, um, you know, trying to do what Lululemon does. And, mm -hmm. and um, it's just interesting. It's, it's really healthy, I think, for the business because it keeps things you know, regenerating and people with new ideas. I think the consumer is very open uh, to new kind of discovery brands. Was there a moment when you were first learning about uh, design where you just had a, wait, what? Like your most sort of unexpected joy surprise? Because it feels like fashion is so much about like delighting the customer with something that they weren't expecting. Was there was there a moment of the unexpected for you? Um, I think it is every season. Uh, and that's kind of what keeps me going is like, I really try to think about even when I start to think, ah, everything's boring. You know, everything's been done. You know, a new season comes about. And, you know, for the longest time, you know, since I was at J. Crew, we were always trying to get people into a slimmer suit and kind of a shrunken suit. And that's changed in the last two years. And that's, that's the one big thing. Um, it's nice to see it in menswear where all of a sudden you start to see the ties widening. You start to see the suits relaxing. And I hadn't seen that since the eighties and nineties with Armani. And you're starting to see a return to kind of this more relaxed uh, way of dressing. So there's always something every season that kind of just is like, Oh, wow. And, and I always search for it. And I always think I'm not going to find it this season. And sure enough, I do. <laughs> well, you need that. That's the, that's the fire in the furnace. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what the customers want. You know, they don't want to buy 
they have a closet full of same old, same old. They want something that's maybe, you know, a twist on what they have or a few degrees different. You know, there are customers that like things that are, you know, very different, but, you know, the way I design is, is kind of, I think about a spectrum and where my customer sits. And I'm always thinking about, um, is this going to be too far for them? Is this not going to be far enough? And so that's what always challenges me. How often do you look back into archives or the history of fashion or vintage fashion for inspiration? That's kind of the secret of, I think, design in general. I think I learned that <laughs> from Ralph Warren. It's amazing how much, you know, if you think about men's apparel or apparel in general, but men's apparel especially, nothing's really changed that much in the last hundred years you know we're all guys are still wearing coats they're still wearing shirts they're still wearing you know trousers and a proper dress Not shoe Bill. and what have you <laughs> no i have no trousers on right now <laughs> all right, what? All right. No, no. just saying they're um, pants this is an they're honest, pants honesty, they're pants <laughs> sorry we digress um, easily yeah, on the accutron show that's good though it's fun um but yeah i mean it's it's there's small little things that change here and there and you know you can definitely look at certain things whether it's like the um um you know the shrunken suit with tom brown or you see you know certain trends like you know lululemon and activewear coming along and those things you can definitely kind of put a pin in and, and recognize but overall it's still pretty much the same stuff it's really how you put it together that makes it new and um you know, in menswear, especially, I think it's important to kind of appreciate kind of the heritage and where things come from. And and I've always been, I learned this at Ralph Lauren, really looking at the archives and looking back um, to really go forward. Because you always hear about people talking about, oh, it's all about the 80s now. It's all about the 90s. And whether it's men's or women's, um, people are always looking at um, the past. And that's, for me... I, I at first was a little like, really, that's how we do this. And but there is so much that I think in fashion, especially people like to have things that are somewhat familiar and then they can kind of connect the dots. So looking forward, do you go to science fiction movies and see them all <laughs> running around in the jumpsuits in the year 2090 and go, that's never going to happen? Or do you think um, there is a time is when next we'll season jumpsuit season? Yes. <laughs> Did we just inspire you? Yes. Well, jumpsuits are, are trending. I mean, they're not going to be a big seller, but we we did one last season and it blew out. But um, we oh. only did bought fifty pieces. But um, no, it, it's kind of a, a culmination of a lot of different things. Like I look at everything from movies to. I always find it really interesting uh, watching sci-fi movies and kind of seeing where things are going, or at least they think they're going. And, you know, the ones I'm always interested uh, in are, are, you know, like I watched um, Dune, and I thought that was a really just an interesting take on the, what the future would be like. But it's amazing how much was rooted in kind of a natural fibers and natural uh, materials. And, uh, you know, you, you glean stuff off of that. You, I look at architecture as a very uh, good indicator. And I love how, you know, architects take all the materials, whether it's concrete or wood and, and how they mix it and put it together that makes it different. And that's, 
that for me is a great lesson um, on how to design um, and cooking. I always use cooking as an analogy oh, wow. of design <laughs> and how all the ingredients are fairly known and it's, it's how you put them together that makes them new. It's really kind of just kind of blending of all these things and trying to, um, you know, do something interesting that the customer is delighted with. Todd, you started out originally in school studying finance, right? Yeah. yeah. So I started off, I mean, the long story is I started off in freshman engineering, did uh -huh. that for a year. And then I went to architecture, did that for a year. And then I switched to finance because I thought, you know what, um, it'll be a safe uh, kind of decision. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh -huh. I didn't want to really want to say I was a fashion designer. I, I, you know, growing up in Iowa, like saying, oh, I'm going to be a fashion designer. Right. You know, there was definitely stigmas attached to that. And there still is, unfortunately. But um, I definitely was insecure with Whereas in New York, and, you say, like, I'm going to go into finance. People are like, oh, I'm oh, so sorry. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. In, in Iowa, like, oh. And in New York, if you say you're going into fashion, I was like, oh, that's a good, that's a good move. Of you course know? you are. Right. Uh, yeah. But also in <laughs> Iowa, your parents are like, son, people buy one suit that's exactly. for the rest of their life. Yeah, your dad has two shirts. And yeah. Yeah. Did, but that's, that, that's exactly that, what it was. Did that finance background, though, inform uh, your design business at all? Was there any crossover? You got to have a head for math if you could be in that business, I guess. So Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, I I, I was always good at math. Um, that was a big reason why I wanted to get into uh, engineering, just because right. I used to work for my dad in the summers, um, and I'd work on the survey crew, and it was always about, you know, basically uh, angles and, and a lot of math. Uh, constantly. So I, that was easy for me. And um, so it's been really helpful uh, having kind of that baseline, looking at, you know, P&Ls and looking at mm -hmm. everything together. It's, it, but then also did the engineering and architecture help the construction of clothing? Yeah. Yeah. I was, when I was doing sewing and I don't sew anymore, unfortunately, but when I was doing that, I, I do like making things. And I was always very good at yeah, I used to build a lot of stuff in my dad's garage and, and used to um, be in 4-H, which is in Iowa, which is oh, sure. like, yeah. a, I don't know what you would call it here, but 4-H, you do a lot of crafts. I don't think they call it um, anything here. I, I, I grew up in Texas, so I know what 4-H is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had that in Michigan as well. Were you and dad working yeah. on a DeLorean that could go back in time? <laughs> or to the, no, the do, you, do you still uh, make any engineering projects on the weekends or is it all closed now? <laughs> Uh, it's all closed now. But, okay. uh, I, yeah, my uh, my dad passed about two, uh, 20 years ago, and and his business is still around, which is great. But yeah, it really it gave me the confidence, you know, having my dad and my mom, uh, their support. Uh, I know my dad at first was like, "You're gonna do what?" But my mom always kind of pushed me along and said, "You know, you'll you'll do great at whatever you want to do." And then the best thing about like when I was in Iowa and I was kind of like unsure, I'm going into fashion, I was moving to New York. My grandmother told me, she's like, you know, it's it's great that you're doing this. And I'm like, well, thanks. And, and she's because your name Snyder in Dutch means tailor. Ah, no, no. And I was blown away. I was like, oh, my God. You like, did you not know me. that before that. That's amazing. Yeah. And technically it means cutter, which actually is more important than a tailor a tailor just sews a cutter actually cuts it to your body so they're essentially making it fit perfect for you the 
a tailor simply when you put two fabrics together you're you're sewing in within like a quarter of an inch um it's pretty easy to do versus um actually the shapes of the fabric that are going to make the clothes yeah so anyway when she told me that i was you know being a young kid 20 something years old and moving to new york and thinking can i do this and hearing that from your grandmother and kind of getting that a little bit of confidence helped tremendously but it's also kind of helped you know you get me to where i am today because it definitely makes me feel like it was meant to be Fashion is is such a tumultuous industry. It's ever shifting. It's kind of hard to always have your finger on the pulse of it. Are you hopeful for the future of fashion? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's always it's always renewing itself. I mean, I I don't know if you guys watched the Pharrell uh, Louis the Vuitton runway show. show. It's just yeah. It's it's whenever you think like oh, I've seen it, there's sure enough there's something else that comes along and kind of like you know, becomes interesting, you know, um, you know, I think there's a lot of amazing things happening in fashion. I think everybody talks mostly about Europe, but it's really interesting having someone like Pharrell or even Virgil when he was there before his influence and what was happening in, in fashion and sneakers or what have you, and just cultural in general was so important. Um, and it influenced everybody. I mean, it influenced me. It influenced, you know, number of designers. You know, we can't help but see what's happening. And then that informs and kind of, when, you know, Virgil started doing Louis Vuitton, he was the first to kind of really start showing these understated kind of tonal looks. And all of a sudden you started seeing Dior go that way. And all of a sudden you started seeing everybody, you know, but you definitely, as soon as you think something's over and and kind of boring, sure enough, it gets renewed and there's something different, which is awesome. As someone who went to school for six years and studied uh, architecture, engineering, finance, and then finally fashion, how do you feel about some of the young people who are going on Project Runway out of high school, not having that education and trying to make a name for themselves overnight on the internet? Do you wince a little at the, or are you encouraged by that? Um, a little bit of both. I, I, you know, for me, I have friends, I have, I see colleagues out there that are starting on, you know, on their own. And the one piece of advice I always give them is learn as much as you can before doing it. I, I, Mm. I put in the time and and it's, it's, fairly easy to get noticed and it's fairly e- easy to get into your first door. I was lucky enough to get into Bird Doris and Neiman's my first season. Um, but I had 20 years behind me. Um, I learned as much as I could. If I had done that in my first 10 years, I would have failed. And cause I wouldn't have known what a PNL was. I wouldn't have known all the things I learned from Mickey Drexler at, at, at Gap and J crew. I would have, I would have, been successful for a year or two and then I couldn't sustain it. And it is rare that someone can come out of the gate and and dominate. But you know, I do get encouraged by people like um you know something navy um who's a great influencer who kind of started her own you know she kind of built her following um and then started doing her apparel uh before you know just launching into apparel so you know i think there's a lot of ways you can come at it and i i 
think it's really healthy that there's always continuous flow, but I bet you, you know, five, 10 years from now, not everybody's still going to be here. And it is like, how do you grow with your customer? Because you don't want to be a, a fad. The fads are here today, gone tomorrow. You want to have some, you know, classics and some things that are going to sustain throughout time and really kind of transcend time. And that's hard to do. Has there been a Todd Snyder watch? Oh, there sure has. I've got three of them. Okay. Oh, really? <laughs> Did we? Okay. We, I we, sure do. We didn't know the this when we asked the question. The bullseye is my favorite. Yeah. Well, and oh. and uh, Todd, what was your first watch? Do you remember? Well, well, I, I did it as a collaboration um, with Timex. Uh, my first watch was that J. Crew. Um, I I loved old military watches, and so I sat down with their designers and created one. Um, I think they still sell that. Yes, they do. It's one of the. It's a classic, and um, can you get me off that mailing list? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I buy a lot of J. Crew stuff, but I get a lot of email from them. Uh, what was the, what was the first like you designed a watch? But there must have been a first moment that you encountered watches and went, "Oh, whoa, okay." That's was there a moment like yeah. that when you were younger? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge. I mean, I love watches. It's a very dangerous uh, passion. <laughs> They're so expensive. Um, we sell vintage watches in our store, which is really great. And then you know, obviously, I do collaboration with Timex and. You know, a lot of people always ask me, like, why why do you do these these collabs? And, and we were talking about earlier, but you know, for me, there's no better way than working with somebody who's been doing it for over a hundred years. Mm -hmm. Like I I can't reinvent a watch better than somebody else can. So why not go work and partner with a brand who really has been doing it and you know stood the test of time, pun intended. But um it's you know, for me, I always like doing things that are how can I wardrobe the guy from head to toe, whether it's a sweatshirt from champion or whether it's a tuxedo from me, whether it's a pair of Alden shoes, whether it's a Nike sneaker, I can't do it at all, obviously. Um, and I don't, I don't think I should be doing things that are necessarily um, not authentic. So that's why I try to work with these brands. Mm. Touching upon collaboration there. Um, I mentioned to these gentlemen, I have this, overcoat that you designed in collaboration we'll not shut up about the overcoat yeah he's gonna, he's gonna fan geek <laughs> out on you now uh with a brand whose name i sometimes struggle to pronounce descent i believe every time i wear that yeah, coat sure. someone has something to say about it i'm wondering if you can give us a little bit of the backstory on that coat yeah descent um is an amazing brand i discovered them uh, i was in a trip to tokyo and they have stores they're actually japanese owned uh, i think they used to be a french brand but um they contacted me a couple years later and said would you like to do a collaboration i would jumped at the idea of it they're called the song the stores were called the blue and they're still around um and that jacket is from that collection and it's all you know they're they're very much about the technical properties that coat is seam sealed um which means it's waterproof so if you get stuck in a downpour you'll be dry um and it was kind of a play on their technical aspects and their ski jackets but we wanted to do uh this overcoat that also has like cool kind of straps so if you get a little hot you can kind of take the jacket off and uh you don't have to like hang it over your shoulder so um it's a really great piece, but yeah, I, I love that you love that because that's one of 
I always love kind of the juxtaposition of taking something that's sartorial and mixing it with active. That for me is always a fun project to work on. Todd Snyder dresses all the cool people in the world and our co-host, uh, David, and uh, he has been our guest today on the Accutron show. He has designed for uh, a multitude of uh, companies, as we learned in this, and we will look for your label whenever we want to look good. Uh, Todd (laughs) Snyder, thanks for being our guest today on the Accutron show. I feel more stylish having just spent this time with you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. It was a pleasure. Thanks, sir. Thank you for listening to The Accutron Show. To listen to all of our shows, visit AccutronWatch.com. To learn more about the world of Accutron, follow us on Instagram at AccutronWatch and subscribe to our podcast. From New York City, until next time, Accutron Time.